It's time for another holiday hot mess episode of Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. So grab your cocoa and jingle your bells because we are dashing our way back out of the Christmas closet. Welcome to Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Gason. I'm your holiday host, Gason, or as my friends call me, just Jason. We have another festively fun show for you today as we learn about another famous snowman named Mr. Bingle. Head back to Mrs. Claus's kitchen for an apple delight. Hear from Christmas Carol and ugh, Naughty Ned. And decide if a cranberry Christmas is a classic or not-so-classic Christmas special with this episode's extra-special guestie-bestie co-host, Kristen. So let's get right into the spirit with our festive fun fact. is Mr. Bingle. Well, to be honest, I had literally no clue who Mr. Bingle was. I was researching some of Santa's other known or maybe even lesser known helpers around the world, and Mr. Bingle kept popping up in my searches. So Mr. Bingle is a snowman assistant to Santa Claus. He has a snowman's body with an ice cream cone hat, carries a candy cane, wears a red ribbon with bells, and holly wings. Now, that description does not do Mr. Bingle justice. You have to go out and Google Mr. Bingle. He is adorable. He is literally one of the cutest characters I think I've ever seen. And his appearance has slightly changed throughout time, but still really does reflect the same, you know, ice cream cone hat and his holly wings and bells. He's so cute. So Mr. Bingle actually originated as a mascot for the Maison Blanche department stores in New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, interesting fact, if you were a fan of Days of Our Lives in the 90s, Maison Blanche is where the evil Stefano Demera kept Hope Brady captive and made her think that she was Gina Von Omberg. Horrible character, but great storyline. Anyway, uh, back to Mr. Bingle. So <laughs> Mr. Bingle was later marketed in New Orleans and then elsewhere by mercantile stores and Dillard's uh, who bought out Maison Blanche. And he still remains um, part of the popular culture in New Orleans. Now, Mr. Bingle was created by Emile Aline, and he was an employee at the time of Maison Blanche in 1947. So Mr. Bingle actually became 
really well known because they created him as a puppet or really a marionette, if you will. And they would perform puppet shows on Canal Street uh, at, at Maison Blanche. And his puppeteer was Edwin Oscar Eisentrout. And he was also the voice of Mr. Bingle during these puppet shows. Now, what they would do is they would start doing these puppet shows a few weeks before Christmas to start entertaining the kids, get them excited, help out the parents. And the shows would last about, uh, would last about 15 minutes apiece. And uh, they would cycle throughout the day. So then Mr. Bingle took off and he started to appear in um, television commercials. Hey kids, it's Mr. Bingle from Maison Blanche. One Christmas Eve long ago, Santa found me in the snow. Santa named me Mr. Bingle when I sang my joyful jingle. I love children, they love me. I'm as happy as can be. Santa's helper in every year. I come with him to bring good cheer. I help him with his sleigh of toys for all the world's good girls and boys. Merry Christmas and see you soon at Maison Blanche. And he even got his own show. So he had his own show uh, for a few years, but um, the shows ended in 1985 when Eisentrout passed away. On the TV show, Mr. Bingle played pranks on those who didn't have the Christmas spirit, and they included special guests. In one episode, it was it was Ebenezer Scrooge, which is kind of cute. Now, what's great about Mr. Bingle is that Mr. Bingle-related merchandise, especially plush toys, were sold by Maison Blanche. And then when Maison Blanche was bought out by Dillard's, Dillard's kept that tradition alive because they bought the Maison Blanche chain and the Mr. Bingle trademark. And so they continued sales of Mr. Bingle merchandise. And then they would do huge windows to Mr. Bingle um, during the Christmas season. And an interesting thing about Mr. Bingle is um, during Hurricane Katrina... Uh, there was a warehouse where they kept this giant Mr. Bingle and a lot of the other buildings around that area were destroyed during Hurricane Katrina. However, the, um, the statue, if you will, of Mr. Bingle survived. So it relaunched a new generation of bringing Mr. Bingle back. And so um, you can still find Mr. Bingle merchandise today. And there's a couple ways to do that. One, Dillard still sells Mr. Bingle merchandise at Christmas time, but two, um, the vintage Mr. Bingle's merchandise, whether it's a plush animal or whatever, it goes for some pretty high dollar on the eBay. I uh, double checked because I was was like, well, you know, what what does Mr. Bingle uh, go for? Um, but yeah, there's they they uh, Mr. The original Mr. Bingles go for some for some dollar dollars. Um, if you are interested in learning more about the cute little trickster snowman, you can join many of his fans at the Mr. Bingles Mr. Binglefans.com website, or if you're like me, you can join uh, search on YouTube for Mr. Bingle videos and commercials and news reports um he's super cute you all i i this cannot do him justice he is absolutely adorable um to be honest i have totally fallen in love with mr bingle and um i am not ashamed to admit that um he'll be joining my christmas tree this year as an ornament so thanks ebay um mr bingle is adorable and how can you not feel the christmas spirit hearing those two jingles do you have some Christmas lore or a festive fun fact you'd like us to explore on the show? Well, you can let us know by simply emailing us at keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com or you can leave us a 60-second voicemail at anchor.fm slash keepingtheyuletidegay. She's the Christmas drag queen everyone loves from up north. 
and she always puts the mess in Christmas. It's time for the one and only Christmas Carol. OMG, it's me, Christmas Carol. Well, hello and welcome back to my part of the show. I can't believe it's episode three, you know. So listen, everybody, this is going to be a quick segment because I've got a rhubarb crisp in the oven. So I only got a few minutes because I don't want it to burn. So, you know, I received a question from listener Sarah. And she said, uh, Dear Christmas Carol, how would you go about making some fun Christmas accessories to take to a party? Well, listen, Sarah, dear, anything can be an accessory. You just got to do what you want. You know, just live your best life. So as far as accessories go, I once did uh, for a show, I took uh, a little one of those little pinatas, you know, uh, it was in the shape of a Christmas tree, okay? So it's a little piñata that you would put, like, candy and treats in. Well, I took that piñata, and uh, what I did is I started to cut at the top of the piñata a little, you know, in the middle. Now, listen, this wasn't one of those large piñatas for a party, no. This is, like, maybe, like, a personal piñata. Like, maybe I got a kid, and you only want to put a couple of treats in there just for that one kid to beat the crap out of or whatever. Anyway. And so I started cutting it, but what I did was I stopped uh, when I got a little closer to the edge because you don't want to cut it off completely. No, no, we're not tapping the tree, okay? Uh, what we're doing is you're leaving a little bit so that it's got it like a flap, okay? And then what I did was I took out a little bit of the stuffing on the inside of cars, and then I started filling it with all of my essentials, girl. You know what I'm talking about. You got your lipstick and your rouge, my car keys, some peppermint body spray if I get a little, you know. Uh, and then also, of course, an extra set of falsies. And uh, if you don't know what those are, I can't help you. So listen, I filled it with all the things that I was going to need. And then I realized, well, if I keep opening the top all night, it's cardboard and paper. It's going to tear. So what I did is I went out and I got some of that green duct tape. And I put some green duct tape on the, on the back. So I made it like a little hatchback. Yeah. Yeah, made a little, a little, little, little hatchback parsey kind of thing. So I made it like a clutch. And then I was like, okay, well, now you've got the top secure, but how are you going to keep the damn thing closed? So I went back to my special star. You know, I'm not going to name its name, but it's a lady's name and it's a craft store. And I went there and I was like, look, girl, I need a clasp. Uh, for a purse and so they helped me find some things and I found a little clasp and I attached that so that I could close the tree lid mm-hmm yeah you're again I am a crafty one that's what I am I'm a crafty queen well so then I was like oh I got this little clutch and then I thought well Carol you know damn well you're not gonna want to carry this thing around all night and you can't set it down you can't trust people you know somebody else steal that it's a it's a gorgeous design that you did. So I went to the local hardware store and I bought some gold chain links, you know, just some little skinny ones. And, uh, you know, I attached it to the clutch and made it into a full on purse, you know, with some hot glue and some wire ties and things. Whatever you need to do, Sarah, that will make it, uh, you know, secure and make it long enough that you could just wear it on your shoulder. And then, of course, I had to add some carol to it, right? So I found some cute gold tinsel and I hot glued that on there. And then, you know, uh, some ornaments as far as that goes too, just to add it a little, a little touch of carol to it, of course. Now listen, I look super cute with that clutch all night, okay? That little purse, everybody loved it. 
So you could actually wear that to an ugly sweater party with your ugly sweater. You know, then you might have a better chance of winning because you got a hot little accessory. And I bet you somebody's going to be like, oh my God, girl, where did you get that? Is that that Dolce Gabbana? You don't know. They don't know. You know, and you can be like, mm, yeah, I paid a high price for this. It was very expensive. So listen, I can hear the oven beeping back there. So I got to go get my uh, get my crisp out. Uh, I'm sorry this one's a little sharp, but, you know, we'll come back and talk some more next time. So listen, everybody, until then, keep crafting, y'all. I just heard a bottle of sherry get opened. So it's time to head back to the Christmas kitchen for Mrs. Claus's tasty treats for your holiday fun times. Hello, dear listeners. I'm so excited that you are back in my kitchen with me. Well, I even had a pre, a pre, oh, I thought it messed up, a pre-glass of sherry. So I've got to make a new one real quick, so give me just a moment. All the way to the top. So... You know, I was told not to have a pre-glass of sherry anymore. But you know what? I'm a strong, independent woman and I can handle my liquor. So I've decided every episode I could have as much sherry as I want. You know why? Because it's scary September here in the North Pole. You're probably thinking, well, Mrs. Claus, you mean October scary time. But no, not here. In fact, in September, it's our busiest month of the year, which makes you think, well, isn't December? Well, yeah, of course, but September's our scariest month because it's the last big push of toys to be made. Yes, we have to get all the new toys started. So we've been working all year long on the on the toys that have been out for a while or, or you know, fixing up machinery and training and HR policies and all of those kinds of things. But now we really kick it into the highest gear. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you know, well, if you don't know, we're really only three months away from Christmas. Yes. Isn't that fantastic? We need a break after September. It's been a long month. It's been quite a long year, hasn't it? You know what? Everybody take an extra sip of sherry for 2020. It's almost over. So anyway, you know, where you're living, it's probably, if you're in the Americas, it's probably fall season now. And so I thought today we would make a fun, tasty treat inspired by the fall. (laughs) So, ooh. Welcome again to Mrs. Claus's Tasty Treats for your holiday fun times. And I have a delicious fall favorite for you. Right out of my big box of recipes. God. Big box of recipes. Um, Today's treat is none other than Mrs. Claus's Sticky Apple Bottoms. Yes. Sticky Apple Bottoms. (laughs) So, just like we always do, we want to give you a list of things you're going to need today. And so, the first thing, here are your items, your ingredients, if you will. You need two apples. Now, this recipe is really for four. It serves four, but it's very easy to double and triple and quadruple to all the many people you need it for. You just have to make sure you've got enough time. Okay. So, you're, you know, you want to have, this is for four people. So, we have two apples. Two. Okay, it's very simple. 
Now you can choose whatever apple you want, but I will tell you the best apple to use are the green apples, the Granny Smith, because of the tartness. The tartness is really going to help with the sweetness in a bit. So you need to have two apples cut in half, two tablespoons of melted butter, cinnamon and sugar. Now, we want that to be pre-mixed, and if you don't know how to make it, you can go buy it. But if you want to save a dollar, it's all about a dollar, you can actually just take a half a cup of sugar and two tablespoons of cinnamon and mix them together in a bowl. And oh my God, look what you got. You got cinnamon and sugar. Yeah. Use a whisk, though. It makes it, makes it better. So anyway, you also need a fourth cup of water, 16 unwrapped caramel candies, and uh, semi-sweet chocolate chips. You want a half a cup of those melted. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a drizzle. We all like a drizzle. So your kitchen tools that you're going to need is you need a glass bakeware dish. You need, uh, your, of course, your measuring cup and some measuring spoons and things like that. Extra bowls if you need them. But you need two really, well, three really important items. You need a pastry brush. You need um, an icing piping pastry bag, you know, or, 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 or you can use a Ziploc bag and just cut off the tip. Be very careful. Don't take more than the tip. We don't want a mess. You get a mess if you cut more than the tip off. Just put the, just the tip. Um, and then, of course, a melon baller. And you're like, Mrs. Claus, a melon baller for apples? I know, I'm outrageous. <laughs> so, as always, our first step is to make sure your sherry glass is full. And cheers to yourselves. I, I don't, oh, here's some, do you know what? Here, I'll cheers to myself. Ready? Yes. And as always, cheers up queers is what I'm supposed to say. So, you know, there is nothing quite like the first sip of sherry from a glass. It could be your third glass or your first. It doesn't matter. Every time it hits your lips, it just gives you a nice soothing calm that we all need to get us through the holidays. Or maybe the year, if you've got somebody in the background yelling at you to hurry up. He wants his dinner. Anyway, your second step is to make sure you preheat your oven to 375 degrees. And so, while you got that going on, we're actually going to take our melon baller and we're going to core out the apples. Yes, you want to take your melon baller and just get in there and get out all the seeds and all the, my God, the crunchy bits out and, you know, get rid of them because nobody wants that part to eat. Nobody likes it. So you've got to get in there and what you... Oh my, there's apple all over the damn floor. All right, back to the job, Mary Elizabeth. You've got it. You keep coring out your apples. Now you want to be careful. You don't want to go in too deep, right? We don't want to break the skin or hurt anything. So you never want to go too deep, but you want to get a nice size hole in there. So just work it in there until you get the hole nice and wide so that you can fill it later with our sticky treats. Oh, God, I'm probably going to get in trouble for that one. I can already feel it. I'm going to get a letter, or I'm probably going to get fired. But, you know, sometimes you just got to say what's on your mind. Anyway, my God, I wish you could see the kitchen. There's apple everywhere. You know, if you can save some of the apple bits for something later, we don't want to waste any food. We don't. Now, um, 
Speaking of letters, I've got one more apple to core. Um, oh my god, it's much more difficult than, than, than I remembered. So anyway, um, speaking of letters, I got a letter the other day. Yes, and you can send letters to Mrs. Claus, or to Christmas Carol, or Ned, or, or Gason, whoever. But I got a letter the other day telling me uh, from one of our listeners, Amanda. Yes, and Amanda said she just loves Mrs. Claus. Well, I love you too, Amanda. And I hear you're quite the chef too. Although I did hear that you make um, something that no one in the North Pole eats because it's disgusting. Uh, rhubarb pie and rhubarb crisp. And I don't, you know, send me the recipe, but I doubt I'll make it, dear. But good for you. Good, good job in that kitchen with the rhubarb. So, after you have um, cored your apples, uh, we're going to place them in the dish, and you want to place them upside down because you want the the holes to be on the top. <laughs> so you want the holes to be on the top, and then what you're going to do is you're going to take your pastry brush and dip it into your your melted butter because that's important. It's got to be melted. Put it in your melted butter, and you want to just brush the apples with the melted butter. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound quite tasty, apples and butter, but if you think about it, you know, it's almost like a pie. So anyway, we're gonna brush, brush, brush our apples and, you know, just give them a good old coating. Can never, never be coated enough with this. I'm out of breath already. Now you don't want the butter standing, for God's sakes, you know, but you do want to just just lightly butter it around. And there's a, there is a reason for this. So after we have buttered our apples, the next thing you're gonna do is you're going to sprinkle your cinnamon sugar onto the apple sides that you just buttered. Yes, that's what you're gonna do. Now, you can do this various ways. You can take your fingers and sprinkle it and just dash it upon there like you're throwing glitter at a parade. Or, you know, if you find, you might find yourself a little, a little, uh, like almost like a salt shaker or, or a, a, a duster, if you will. And I use that because it gives it a good, nice, even coating. So we're just going to dust the cinnamon and sugar all over the apple. Uh, each one. Ooh, good Lord. All right, well, I put a little bit too much on that one, so we'll just pretend like that person likes it that way. Um, okay, so... Mmm, <laughs> you know, it smells delicious in your kitchen when you have out cinnamon and sugar. I don't know what it is, but it is my favourite. So, we've got our cinnamon sugar all over our apples, and then... This is the part where some of you are going to be like, what? But to help it bake, this is where we put in our fourth cup of water. So let me just get a bit of water here. Okay. So I've got my fourth cup of water and you just pour it in to the bottom of the baking dish. Don't pour it into the apples because you don't want that. But you, you put it into the bottom of the baking dish and it will help... Um, cook the apples, make them a little bit more tender and easier to chew uh, with the dessert. So, you know, we want to get that in there. All right. Now that we've done that, we're done for the most part. Um, the next thing we're going to do is actually just put it into the oven for 20 minutes. So we're going to put it in and not burn the hands like we did another time and place and okay. So I'm putting it in the oven 
closing the door. And now we'll set our timer for 20 minutes. That's a bit of a long time. Now, I, I'm sure all of you are probably having a certain song play in your minds when I said apple bottoms. <laughs> well, you know, it's a quite a funny story. So, you know, many years ago, when denim jeans first became in fashion, if you will, this was a very long time ago. I'm going to have a sip of Cherie. Hold on a second. I said it fancy like that. <laughs> Oh, oh, so good. Okay. So I decided that, you know, maybe I could have a new look. Everyone is used to me running around in a red outfit with an apron on and my little hat. And I thought, you know, why not spice it up? Add a little spice to my life. So I went to our sewing department and we have one here because, you know, they make all the clothes for the dolls and and the fashion dolls and, you know, sometimes action figures, you know, the, the, the toys that sometimes they have clothed goods, as we're supposed to call it in the toy biz today. And um, they also take care of uh, the material for the stuffed animals, things like that nature, you know. So I went down there and I saw two of my favorite elves, uh, Pamela and John, and I said to them, I said, hey, you know, I would really like a pair of those new denim-style jeans. And they said, oh, Mrs. C, we will be so happy to, you know, to do that for you. And I thought, well, that's so wonderful. So I said, okay. And they, they went ahead and took my measurements. Now, a little bit about me, in case you don't know. I'm very voluptuous. You know, I've, um, I'm big in all the right places, they would say. Um, and, and so, you know, you got to take all the right measurements to make sure you find the right pairs of jeans or other things that you might need when you're voluptuous. And if you don't know what that word means, it means I got a big bosom and a big other parts. So anyway, you know, they took my measurements and they, and they created a beautiful pair of denim jeans for me. And they said, you know, Mrs. Close, these are yours. No one else will ever have a pair like it. Is there, is there something special you would like us to put on them? And I said, well, you know, I'm a big fan. You know, my color is red, just like my husband's. And they said, oh, okay. So they went through and they were like, do you want some beads or bubbles? And I was like, no, I don't want beads or bubbles on my jeans. And they said, well, we have apple patches. And I thought, well, that would be really cute. Put some apple patches on the bottom of the jeans. And once they did, I was like, oh, my gosh, these are beautiful. So, you know, I'm sure you're wondering where this is going. But let me finish because it may turn around or I might just be rambling. But anyway... So they said to me, oh, Mrs. Claus, you need to model these new jeans for the sewing club. And I thought, well, that would be a wonderful idea. Me, a model, Mrs. Claus. That's right, running, strutting down the runways of Milan and Paris. But instead, it was on an iceberg in the North Pole. You know, sometimes you've got to take what life gives you. So anyway... I'm all excited. I put on my, my new apple bottom jeans, as I called them, and I put on my boots with some fur, and I walked in to the sewing club, and uh, they all stared at me. They were all looking at me, and I was like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to lie to you, listeners. I got a little nervous 
walking on the iceberg and I slipped. Yes, I am very short, so you don't think it'd be a fall to the ground, but it was. So Shorty here slipped (laughs) and I hit the floor and I went low, low, low. And you're probably wondering... I did not write that song. No, no, no. But it is an interesting thing that, um, you know, the lyrics to that song are something along the lines of shorty and apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur and the whole club was looking at her, you know, and then she got low, low, low. And I thought, well, that is an interesting song and it totally makes me think back in the day when I was wearing those new apple bottom jeans. Just a coincidence, that's all it is. But I love it. Now, those jeans have long since existed. They're gone. They're gone. But I have, you know, reached out to some other famous designers and they have made me some wonderful new pairs of jeans and frocks and things. So, you know, every now and then a girl wants to look her best. Uh, You know, like Christmas Carol. (laughs) Well, um, you know, we've got a long way to go for these apples to bake. So... I'm going to have me glass of sherry and we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Spelt butter all over the damn floor. Hello, dear listeners, we're back. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes accidents in the kitchen happen. Yes, they do. And I may have had one or two little accidents and one or two glasses of sherry. It doesn't matter. So the apples are done, and I'm going to tell you they're very aromatic. I think is the word I want to use. They smell wonderful. It's 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 like heaven in here right now. So. You know, once you've got your apples out, the next thing you need to do is put your caramel in the apples. So, I did want to point out something to you, though. So, here's the deal. If you, dear listeners, if you can't find um, uh, the caramel candies, you can still use caramel bits um, and just put enough in there to fill the apple up without overflowing. So, I, you know, did some math, and by math, I went to the Google... One cup of caramel bits is equal to 24 caramel squares. So really, each apple should have about three to four caramel squares, which means a single caramel candy would be about two teaspoons full of caramels. I mean, two teaspoons full of caramel bits. So I've done eight teaspoons of caramel bits per apple. So, you know, just pour them into your apple holes. I said apple holes. I know he's listening. Oh, yeah, that works just well. Okay. Yeah. Oh, spilt some. Just spilt a bit. That's okay. Okay. Oh, that's... Oh, gosh. You know, you can eat these by themselves if you wanted to. They're so good. They're just delicious. So now what you got to do, everybody, is you want to go through, you do, you want to go through and put your apple dish back in the oven to melt the caramels. If you're using the caramel candies, it could take about 15 minutes. So I'll be right back again. Don't you go anywhere. Where are you going to go? Don't people listen to these in cars? It doesn't matter. I'll be right back with more 
tasty treats for your holiday fun times. Give me just a moment. Thank you so much for your patience. You know, there's lots of steps when it comes to cooking. So, you know, we've got our apples done and the caramel is melted all creamy-like. I will tell you, though, dear listeners, sometimes, depending on the, the oven and everything where you're located, you might have to cook it a little bit longer to get the caramel to melt the right way, but don't overbake your apples. And then the last step simply is to just, if you would choose to, drizzle some melted chocolate chips on top. It's up to you. Now, there's lots of variations to this. I like to serve it to Mr. C with a slice, like with, with, you know, the apple slice. And then I like to give him a scoop of vanilla ice cream to give it a special little treat. They're delicious and they will make the kitchen smell wonderful, yes. Well, dear listeners, our time has arrived where we must say goodbye. I hope you all come back next time. Um, if you would like to get a shout out like listener Amanda, all you have to do is send an email to keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com. And, you know, tell me, hey, Mrs. Claus, I love the show. And I'll make sure to say a shout out to you. Also, if you have a recipe you'd like me to try, just make sure it includes sherry. Well, um, you know, I'm getting told to get off the mic, so Merry Christmas, everyone, and Happy Tatristine! So just sing along with me as we go to your favorite Christmas carol. She's got those apple-bottom jeans and the boots with the fur. Knock it off. All right, it's time to go. Bye. Join us now for a classic, or not-so-classic, Christmas special review. Welcome back to another episode of Classic or Not-So-Classic Christmas Specials. I, of course, am your host, Gason or Jason. And every episode of Keeping Yuletide Gay, I like to force one of my guesty besties from Gabbing with Gason to come in and watch either a classic or not-so-classic Christmas special. And uh, so far, uh, I don't think we're doing too hot. Uh, it sounds like uh, with our last episode with John, it was definitely a not-so-classic special. I can't wait to tell you all what I think, but most importantly, what my guest thinks. Please welcome back one of my dearest guestie besties, Kristen. Hello. Hello, and today's not my birthday. It is not your birthday today, <laughs> but it is your birthday month. So it is. Uh, it if is. you'd like to hear all about that, you can check out the latest episode of Gabbing with Gason <laughs> with guestie bestie co-host Kristen. Um, hi, welcome to the Christmas show. 
Thanks. I'm very excited to be here, and I was happy to watch our Christmas special at 5.30 this morning. (laughs) (laughs) 6.30, 6.30 this morning. (laughs) It sounds like a good time to watch this one. Um, So for my listeners, uh, I always like to give my guests the option of three different Christmas specials to watch, and uh, for this episode, for some reason, I mean, I know you have your reason, Kristen chose a Cranberry Christmas um, just to tell everybody what Cranberry Christmas is, it was it, it aired in 2008 on uh, ABC Family's 25 Days of Christmas, and it was based on a kid's book in 1976 that I did not read, uh, of the same name, and it was written by Wendy and Harry Devlin, and it is about cranberries at Christmas, let's be honest. But it was the first and only television special produced by Ocean Spray Cranberry Company, um, which I do love their craisins, so thanks. And uh, because they sponsored it, it actually aired commercial-free, except for the commercial at the very, very beginning. So you were telling me, you're like, you said, here's why I want to choose the cranberry one. Can you tell everybody why you decided to choose yes. the cranberry one? I don't remember the names of the other two right now, if I'm being honest, but I picked a cranberry Christmas because cranberries made me think of cookies, and cookies made me think of Christmas time, and being in a warm, delicious smelling kitchen during Christmas making cookies. I don't actually do that, but that's what it made me think of. <laughs> I I do like to make cookies, um, but I get very stressed out doing it, and I get real mad the whole time I'm doing it, so it is not a enjoyable time for me. So I, I'm okay with that. I understand. Um, well, okay. So I guess we should get into talking about a cranberry Christmas. Um, <laughs> before we tell people what it's about, I want to know... I have a list of my first thoughts, but I'd like you to tell me what were your first thoughts before we even talk about this? What were your first thoughts at the beginning? Um, well, I really enjoyed how it it started in the fall and like through that song, it transitioned to Christmas. I thought that was very sweet. But um, Barry Manilow, I was shocked. Yes! Barry Manilow wrote all of the songs and performed all of the songs. And I was like, well, if nothing else, we've got some quality, like, tunes coming our way. This is true. I, so here's what I wrote. I just want to, here's my notes. Um, I love the commercial with the two guys in the cranberry bog. Um, I don't know if those commercials still air anymore or not. I, I don't have commercial television, I so think I don't they know. D- they do. I have always loved the um, the cranberry commercials because I've always had a crush on the younger cranberry bogger and so um, <laughs> to see him anytime I'm always like hey and this one was super cute um, so we watched this on YouTube so you can search Cran- uh, cranberry Christmas 2008 on YouTube and you can find it and they had an ocean spray cranberry commercial in the very very beginning to say that this was brought to you by uh, ocean spray and the two bog guys give each other Christmas gifts um, and the younger bog guy who I have a crush on did not get did not have a gift to give so he just hugged the other guy and it was really awkward very awkwardly <laughs> I loved it so much I was like if this whole cartoon will be just like this I'm gonna be happy and then I was severely disappointed so um, <laughs> I wasn't oh no so here's what I wrote love the commercial okay. Hell yeah, Barry Manilow. I was like, oh, we're in for a real treat. It's Barry Manilow. <laughs> yeah. And then I hate 
that style of animation so much. It made me think of Scooby Doo. I think that's offensive to Scooby Doo. I oh. think Scooby Doo is so much better. Than this. I didn't think it was bad. Oh, I, I can't wait. This is going to be such a good episode. Okay, um, I kind of liked it, but to me, it was very stilted. It was like I, I think what they were going for was to bring a storybook to life, which is a unique idea, but it doesn't always translate well. So I hate this style of animation so much. <laughs> but apparently, you liked it, so that's cool. I can't say I feel particularly strong about any style of animation, so I definitely <laughs> don't dislike the style that was used. Um, but I thought it was cute. I, you know, um, okay. So, so I did, <laughs> the first thing I wrote down was Barry Manilow and I put like a big box on it and the tune, uh, is so catchy that I started singing with it. I was Me like, Me too. Mm -hmm. I sang it this morning twice. And, uh, when I found the show originally, I heard the first couple of bars and I was like, all right, Barry. Okay. What album is this on? I'm mm -hmm. down for this. And I wrote I down, buy. I loved the opening song. No, me too. Loved it. Yeah. Loved it. It's, yep. it's under my favorite quotes. So let's talk about the cast list real quick. Um, because right. I find it interesting to see who's doing voices. So, of course, we've already talked about Barry, but we're going to talk about Barry some more. Because uh, are you a fan of Low? I'm a fan of Low. I love Barry Manilow. Do you like I mean, Barry I Manilow? like Barry Manilow, but I didn't know they were called Fanilows, so they I guess I'm Fanilows. not one of those. <laughs> about so, a nickname for something else yesterday that's probably not Christmas podcast appropriate. Oh, but we'll wait till afterwards during yes. the season. <laughs> yeah. So Barry was our narrator um, and he did a great job because it's Barry Manilow and he could do no wrong. And uh, he sang two songs in the show um, which was good and we'll talk about those here in a bit. And then we have some characters. We have Mr. Grape who's our quote unquote villain and he was played by Jeff Bennett and he is, uh, he's like cartoon royalty. He's been in so many different um, shows, so many different cartoon shows throughout time that uh, it's kind of crazy. So I just picked the one that I recognized him the most from. He was the voice of Johnny Bravo. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was like, okay, Johnny Bravo. All right, yeah, all right, Johnny Bravo. Um, and then we had Mr. Whiskers. Uh, who's the main character. And he was, uh, oh my gosh, I totally don't have a guy's name down here anymore. He was the same guy that played Yakko Warner and Pinky on uh, the Animaniacs. Interesting. You, did you watch the Animaniacs back in the day? Uh, I mean, I I watched them, not not uh, consistently. I think it's funny that when you see these characters, you go to who that voice actor was. Because for Mr. Cyrus Grape, which first, I had trouble um, catching if his name was Gray or Grape. Or mm. at first I thought somebody said Grains. As in, like, wheat, Mr. Grains. I finally got grape. So I wrote Mr. Cyrus Grape, angry and hostile. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was Rob Paulson. Sorry, Mr. Whiskers was Rob Paulson. I had to look it up because I wanted to be Mr. Angry. Whiskers, I put empty-headed. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh... He had a lot going on, right? From that... Bless his heart. beard to his disheveled home... 
uh, which plays an important part in the show. His sister who needs to cut the cord. Oh, a little, she's a little, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of the sister, I don't know if you recognize this, but she was also played by the lady who played Granny. And uh, so there's, there's a neighbor, Granny and her daughter, Maggie. Um, Granny, here comes the best Christmas connection ever. Granny was played by Miriam Flynn. And if you don't recognize that name, she was Cousin Eddie's wife in Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas well, Vacation. I was so fun. excited. I was like, oh, Miriam Flynn. All right. I'm glad you're I never working. would have known that. I just wrote Me Maggie either. and next to her I wrote cookies. She was like, <laughs> she, she, I kept thinking of Inspector Gadget whenever I saw her because she reminded me of Penny and in Inspector Gadget and yeah. in that she was just like always like knowing what to do and figuring things out. I feel um, like that's a, that's a Christmas movie trope. The kid always knows better than the adults. Yeah. Cause it's Christmas. It's magical. It's, it's magical. Yeah. Kids, you know, they've got, kids have Santa. They still under, you know, they appreciate the magic of Christmas, but you're right. Uh, now that you say a penny vibe, absolutely. I really mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. And um, she, she, she didn't have, have like, an... a dog named brain. It would have been better. But... <laughs> or dog in general. There's right. a, so, there should be a dog in a Christmas show. I agree with you a hundred. And there wasn't, um, yeah, Maggie's grown up. I put Maggie's grown up, but first I wrote grandma and then I scratched that out because I was like, well, we don't know if that's her grandma or her mom or just some other adult grown up figure. She, no one ever said her name that I caught. I know. I had to look it up. I think they said granny one time and I was like, who is this old lady? And I heard them somebody say ma'am. Yeah. But, but I watched never... it twice. Nope. Oh, you watched no it name. twice? I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was only 24 minutes long. I know. It was a very long 24 minutes for some of us. Well, I also, I wrote down what is considered the beginning of a 24 minute film. (laughs) Well, because I was like, I, where (laughs) I had to stop in the middle of the beginning because they got, okay. So here, let's do this. This will make more sense. So, okay. The story opens up with kids ice skating on a body of water. That's how I'm going to say this, a body of water. And then Mr. Grape comes out and yells at them to get off of his pond. And he hates kids. He hates them more than anything. I don't, he's just like, I hate kids. And he starts yelling at them to get off of his, off of his frozen pond. If I've told you kids once, I've told you a thousand times, no skating on my pond. And he takes a sled for some reason down to the pond. Yep. Okay, I guess. (laughs) And when he gets there, he tr- his sled hits like a snowbank and he flips over and he lands on his back and he looks dead. And my entire favorite scene out of this entire thing is when that little kid pokes him with a stick to see if he's alive. It's That's- literally my favorite scene. <laughs> So my favorite scene is when Mr. Grape fell on the ice while yelling at the kids. He landed. Did you notice he landed on a bunny? That bunny. Okay. That bunny like wiggles out from under him, looks at him real nasty, thumps him and then takes off. (laughs) And then there's a child in his face yelling, are you okay? Are you okay? And in true child fashion, the second are you okay was like screaming in his face even though he's like right here two inches away that was my favorite scene are you hurt mr grape i said are you hurt mr grape 
I love that out of the whole show, not like a Christmas tree scene or like a big, big happy moment. We both chose the fact that the old man fell and kids were like, get up. Are you all right? Are you? I also have a second favorite scene, but we haven't gotten there yet. So I'm going to hold okay. off. I don't okay. want to spoil. Ooh, all right. So then um, Mr. Whiskers <laughs> shows up. And he is a very heavy set older man with a a really unkept beard, which is why I guess they call Some him. Some might Mr. say Whiskers. he's burly. He is very burly. I have mm-hmm. a lot to say about him when mm-hmm. we get to another question later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Whiskers shows up to say that um, this is not a frozen pond, it's a frozen bog, and it's his. And then Mr. Grape says, no, it's mine. And so they have this huge fight about whether it's a pond or a bog. Now look here, Whiskers. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, this is my pond and you, sir, are trespassing. And that goes for all of you. Now, Sue, and as I've told you two thousand times, Mr. Grape, this most certainly is not a pond. This is a bog, a cranberry bog, and it is my cranberry bog. Boulder dash, boulder dash indeed. And that honestly is where I had to pause because I was like, well, what is the difference between a pond and a bog? Because I didn't know. So I had to go and look it up because I couldn't focus on the show anymore because now I needed to know like, well, what is it? Because it, are they the same thing? And so I went to, hold on, I'm pull up the website here. I went to cranberries.org. Oh, <laughs> that's a thing. Okay. I, it is, it is. It is an entire website devoted to the cranberry farming industry in uh, Massachusetts. And so um, I'm going to read a paragraph, and it's really scientifically boring, but it, was, it helped me understand the difference. So... <laughs> The cranberry is a Native American wetland fruit which grows on trailing vines like a strawberry. And these vines thrive on a special combination of soils and water properties found in wetlands. Wetlands are nature's sponges. They store and purify water and help maintain the water table. And cranberries grow in beds layered with sand, peat, and gravel. And those beds are commonly known as bogs or marshes, and they were formed by glacier deposits 10,000 years ago. So a bog is not a pond. A pond is a hole in the ground with a bunch of water in it that is stagnant and does not grow cranberries. I did not know the difference. I just wrote down (laughs) pond versus bog debate. I couldn't focus. Sometimes I get really distracted. I got really distracted a lot through this show, um, but I really wanted to know because I think cranberries are interesting because when we see them in the bog, they're floating on the top of the water, right? And you're like, why? Mm -hmm. And I didn't know. I always thought they kept cranberries in water to keep them, like, juicy, (laughs) but that's not what it is. They they thrive uh, in water, I guess. Yeah, that's (laughs) because they're on those little strawberry vines, basically, and it's it's because And they, like, rake them. They do rake them a lot. Yeah. I would love to go to a cranberry bog. Um, It's going to be on my bucket list now after this. I want to go see, I want to see how we farm cranberries. All right. If you you own or work on a cranberry bog and you're listening to this, email Jason at. (laughs) Keeping the Yuletide gay at gmail.com. I'm serious. I think it's fascinating. I would love to And if you get a plus one. 
this oh, girl. God. No, we're totally go together. I wish they had bogs here in Missouri where we live. Maybe they do. I bet we could find a. I bet we could find a bog that's not too terrible to drive to this winter. Yeah. Okay. I'm or, well, it. this fall, I mean. Any, yeah. Anytime. Bef- Any, oh, yeah, yeah. I just want to know right, what a bog looks right. like in real all life. Right. So. So I had to stop the show to go figure that out. Now back to the show. So they argue a lot. It's way, mm-hmm. it's whatever. So then Granny and her granddaughter Maggie show up. And again, we didn't know what Granny's name was. I had to go look. And then I went and looked on IMDb and they called her Granny as well. So I was like, all right, so I guess her name's Granny. And Granny and Maggie show up to offer the two gentlemen cranberry cookies, which totally made me think of you, by the way. Oh, good. Of course. Um, to calm them down. Because honestly, nothing stops a fight like a cranberry cookie. Or a snack in general. <laughs> I would stop fighting for a snack. I, I yeah, you know, because you gotta keep your energy up for the fight, right? So you know, and cranberries are good. I do. Cranberries enjoy, and like cookies a, are good. Yeah. Do you like cranberry? What is it? Cranberry and mac? Cranberry white chocolate. I think is a typical cookie combination. <laughs> I'll do like a a cranberry and a nut. I'm not a big like white chocolate macadamia nut person, but give me okay. a cranberry and a co- like an oatmeal cookie. Ooh, and you want to throw some yeah. like walnuts in there? Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm down. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Mm-hmm. We will go. You know what we should do later this year, you and I? Let's go on a cookie hunt one day where we just go to different bakeries and try different Christmas cookies. Well, we're just going to. Can I can I plug a local business here? Um, <laughs> well, yes? I'm just going to call it Granny's Cookies. I'm, I'm going to head, head up to the North Pole because there's a, a Granny's Cookies up there and I won't need to go anywhere else. Um, okay. Do you well, know what I'm talking like about? We know we're going about, yes, I think so. Okay. <laughs> they look like cookies and then you take an ice cream scoop of cookie dough and you put it on top in the middle and then oh. you bake them but not quite long enough. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yes, it took me a second. I know what you're talking about mm-hmm. now. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So good. <laughs> uh, is it, I think it's Granny that suggests they find the deed to yes. the property to figure out who actually owns the um, bog Bog or pond. pond. Right. Um, which, a side note, we never really find out what it is. We have an idea who owns it by the end, but it's never a determination as to really whether it is a bog or a pond. I think just based on who owns it, it deems what it, how it, the property is defined. Okay, I will go with because, that. Because, so, well, I'll touch on that later if, if we don't get there. <laughs> All right. I don't want to spoil. Well, you know, so then um, Mr. Grape and Mr. Whiskers go off to their prospective houses, respective houses. There we go. And Mr. Grape is a very crotchety old man. Just very. He's just a bitter old man. And, and he, hostile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very hostile. And um, he can't find his deed. So he decides to figure out if Mr. Whiskers can find his. So he sneaks over to Mr. Whiskers' house. And that's where we find out that Mr. Whiskers um, is not very tidy. He sweeps his house once a year, whether it needs it or not. <laughs> so true. That's exactly from the show. That's what he said. I sweep my house once a year, whether it needs it or not. So that's a, how Mr. Whiskers is. Yeah, it was a disaster. Like it gave, it gave me a little anxiety looking at it. I was like, oh, I can't. I can't he opened it. his closet door, and it's just—it's like 
Like that closet where if you put something in there, you just open it a tiny sliver, shove it in, and then shut it really quickly. Right? Yep. So it was one of those closets. He, he opens the door. All of these things fall out on top of him, and he ends up with this ducky inner tube on his head. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that says enough. You, you are correct. Um, it is a, um, it's a disaster. I don't think there's any way to say it. I don't necessarily know if he's a hoarder or if he's just unorganized. I think he's more unorganized than a hoarder. He just doesn't, nobody, his sister coddled him so much <laughs> that he never learned how to clean on his own. Therefore, he doesn't know how to just do daily proper home upkeep. You are not a fan of the sister, are you? No. <laughs> I could tell. Um, we'll meet her eventually. So um, he's standing outside looking at Mr. Whiskers' house when Maggie walks up and she scares Mr. Grape, which is one of my other favorite, <laughs> kind of favorite scenes, is she startles him. He hits the house a little bit and a chunk of snow falls on him <laughs> and immediately turns him into a snowman. Like a cartoon version with a scarf wrapped around his neck. And, and coal. Like, he just so happened to fall on also a pile of coal. Coal, right. Like it was, it's such a cartoon <laughs> trope, but I did giggle a little bit. I was like, meh. All right. Not mad <laughs> that was about pretty it. funny. Yeah. And Maggie yeah. looks at it and was like, oh, I didn't know that he liked snowmen or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So, and then of course she goes inside and, and Mr. Grape shakes off the snow and starts to listen in and Mr. Uh, Whiskers is telling Maggie that he can't find the deed and so she's saying, you know, she's going to help and instead she finds a letter from Mr. Whiskers' sister who says yes. that she's arriving by Christmas Eve uh, to stay with him for the holidays and in the letter they make it a point that she says your house better be cleaned up or I'm going to take you back to the city to live with me because you can't take care of yourself. <laughs> First of all, ma'am, who doesn't have a name, uh, because even in the credits, she's referred to, which I think this sounds like a band from the 80s, Sister Whiskers. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's her name in the show. Sister Whiskers. So <laughs> does that sound like a hair band from the 80s? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sister Whiskers. So, um. Tell us why you don't like the sister. I feel like we're here now. I feel like we can discuss okay. sister whiskers. Well, so I want to talk, I'm going to real quick talk about my second favorite scene. Okay. Um, because we're here, right? Mm. So Maggie finds this letter. Mr. Whiskers, just being very aloof, was like, oh, I guess maybe I should read my mail. Actually, Mr. Whiskers, your sister mailed this letter to you two months ago. She did? Oh, oh. well, that would explain it, wouldn't it? I um I suppose I should read my mail from time to time. Yeah, you sh you should. So he reads the letter and he's all, I can't believe she only gave me a matter of hours because by the way, it is Christmas Eve right now, right? right? It is Christmas Eve, so he's yes. like, I can't believe she gave me only a couple of hours to prepare for her visit. What am I going to do? And little Maggie's like, uh, you got this 2 months ago. <laughs> that's not my mark. favorite scene though yeah. oh. so that's not my favorite that, it's part of it so so they're talking about the sister from the city and one of them goes 
why she lives in the city. And then it does this dun 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 kind of music. <laughs> like, move in with your sister? But she lives in the, the city. city. Like your cliche, like something horrible just happened music. That's my second favorite scene. And if you didn't notice that happening, you'll have to go back and watch. I, is that, did you notice it because you watched it twice? <laughs> No, it was my favorite. It was one of my favorites the first time around. But it's like okay. she lives in the city. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't like her. She's who is she to tell Mr. Whiskers, this grown man who's just living his life on his you know where they cram they make cranberries or they grow cranberries? What's the town called? Cranberry Port. Right? Who is she so. to force him to leave there and go live in the city with her? Do you no, know thank who she you. is? She lives in the city, and therefore she, she's she a city feels, dweller. Yeah, she feels because she doesn't live in the country bog pond area, she can yeah. tell him what to do. Just and you she, wait, Sister Whisker. Right, and when we actually see her, she does have an, an air of like hoity-toity, better than thou kind of a. Like a pink jacket matching yeah. pink hat. Yes. Very, yeah. She's very like, that person. Her nose is turned up like, Ooh. ugh, I can't believe I'm here. Right, like, ugh. Yeah. So, um, Maggie says, I'll help you find the letter. And then, I, I forget what happened because I honestly tuned out for a second. Mr. Whiskers leaves for some reason. And then Mr. Grape... And this is what I wrote. Mr. Grape literally commits a felony by destroying Mr. Whiskers' house. Yep. Like, he didn't just destroy it. Like, he not, like, made like, it messy. Like A he handsaw. Actually, yeah, he took a handsaw to things. And mm-hmm. he, I'm surprised he didn't just burn it down. Honestly. He may as I'm well I'm so surprised. He broke a window? Yeah. Like, he did, like, severe... Like, he should have been arrested if he got caught. But... And then... So... Mr. Whiskers gets Maggie and they come back to start cleaning up the house. And Granny. And Granny Grant. went. Mm-hmm. And they walk in and they're like, oh my God. Like, Mr. Whiskers is like, what happened to my house? And then they're standing there. And this is where I think, Mr. Grape, there's a part in, in a cartoon villain where you stay within the lines of cartoon villainy. And then you reach into the adult world of cartoon villainy. And I think he crossed the line because he literally tried to kill. Mr. Whiskers, like he he sawed the second half of the the, the uh, like the house. floor under the bed upstairs, right? And he's like, Just wait for it, wait for it, and then three, he watches, two, one. He watches the bed fall down, and it almost killed all three of them, sir. That is attempted murder. <laughs> not only have you committed a felony by right. destroying the house, you also committed are commit, almost one. committing murder. Attempt on three people. There was a child in there, sir. And he was gleeful about it. And I was like, you have zero redeeming characteristics now. Like, no matter what you do, and we know by the end he's going to get redeemed somehow, but no matter what you do, to me, that piece stayed in my mind. This, this, That should have been taken out. No offense, but that should have been taken out for a kid's cartoon. Because even as a little kid, I think I'd have been like, did he just try to kill them? Right. Even the, the damage to the house was a little too much for me. I actually wrote down, I can't believe Mr. Grape would literally go saw things in half. <laughs> he did. He had all these tools. It, he it's had, too like, much. He had, like, spy equipment at one point. Like, he was, like, listening through the window. Like, he yeah. broke a window. He tore down shutters. And he tried to kill them. He tried to not kill okay. them. Not okay. So, not okay. So, 
they start cleaning the house up and Maggie's like, what's this? And this is my favorite part. Maggie finds this box and it literally says on it, official document. <laughs> official paper. Uh, official paper, that's what it is. Official, official paper. paper, yep. Official paper. And you and I both work in the mortgage industry and I... I've never seen a document come through that says in big, bold lettering, official Quote, paper. quote. I'm going to do that next time I have to submit something official. <laughs> this is an official paper. I this is an a, a f- important paper. <laughs> Here, boss, can you sign this? Uh, so. I'll get. Um, and guess what it is? It's. What is it? <laughs> it's an important paper. A.K.A. the deed to the property. It is the deed. So then... Indeed. I said indeed. I'm done. I'm done. So you watched it twice. Maybe you can fill in something I did. I did. Sure. So Mr. Whiskers hopes for a Christmas miracle, right? In my eyes... A clean house. A clean house, right? That's his Christmas miracle. Yep. But it all of a sudden didn't... It like ended very abruptly right there for me. And then all of a sudden we see him in the truck with Sister Whiskers. Is that what happened yes. or did I miss something? Yeah. No, so they they find the deed and then next thing you know you see Mr. Whiskers and Sister Whiskers dry, pulling up in front of the house. So what I gathered is he left Granny and Maggie there to clean up the mess. Okay, which is where I'm going with this next <clears throat> statement. Okay. They drive up to the house and the house is immaculate. Like it's been rebuilt mm-hmm. They open the door. It's been rebuilt. It's been decorated. There's a Christmas mm-hmm. dinner set up. Please tell me, how in the hell did they fix that and a full dinner? You're telling me that Granny and a child... Now, Granny is Granny, so we're going that she's probably in her late 70s, right? At least. <laughs> okay. okay. So I you're mean, Maggie's pretty me, young. She could be a little younger. Maggie's young. Maggie is young, but she, she, her name is Granny. <clears throat> all right? We don't call somebody in their 20s Granny. I mean, I have, because I'm mean to my friends. But... <laughs> I was going to say, oh, kinky. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm just trying to figure out, how did a little old lady and a, like, what, eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid rebuild a second floor, like, and, and move that bed up there by the two of them? There's no explanation for how yes, this house... Yes, there is. Christmas time is magical. <laughs> I'm so and done. And we're in Cranberry Port. Oh, done. I'm crying. I'm crying. No, done. That's it. It's Christmas magic. Okay. He I, needed a miracle and he got his Christmas miracle. This is yet another reason why I dislike this show. Um, so then, But you love Christmas. I do love Christmas, but that doesn't mean I love every Christmas special. Okay. I mean, I've, I've okay. watched... I would say that I have watched a thousand different Christmas movies and Christmas specials in my lifetime, for sure, if not more. Um, I, I watch Christmas things throughout the year, not just around Christmas time. So um, I do a lot of like Hallmark movies. I'll do like Lifetime movies. I'll do regular movies. I'll do kids specials, whatever, because I love Christmas. I will pause there. We will come back to what I was about to say about this one. <laughs> okay. So then... Mr. So Mr. Whiskers is like, ooh, and Sister Whiskers is like, well, now it's time to talk about uh, your living arrangement or something. And he was like, you're still going to make me move to the city. And she was like, no, I love your house so much. I'm going to move in with you. Ma'am. Cut the cord, lady. (laughs) 
first of all, oh, because it's clean and pretty, you now think you're good enough to live in the bog? She described the outside of the house before they walked in as festive. <laughs> I mean, I have a siblings, and if any of them said, I'm going to live with you, I would be like, hold up, Slick. Let's have a conversation first. <laughs> Are you going to pay rent? <laughs> I mean, what? I've had my little sister live with me multiple times, and I lived with her, so... You know, but it was never in that way. I never showed up or she never showed up and said, this is so lovely. I'm going to live here now. Right. Just like that. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Another reason I don't like this show. Um, So then the next morning, um, apparently Mr. Grape was not stalking Mr. Whiskers at this time. So Mr. Grape wakes up and here's the kids out on the pond slash bog and he goes down to yell at them yet again, and then that's when Mr. Whisker shows up with the sheriff, I guess. And just sheriff, yep. Just sheriff, yes. And Mr. Whiskers, uh, Maggie says, show him the paper. And that official paper uh, shows that the, the we're going to call it a bog now, the bog is owned by Mr. Whiskers. So we have settled the debate whether it's a bog, a pond, or a or a, a cranberry bog. Right, I almost said it's a bog. bog. <laughs> oh, I'm not that. Ignored. It is no, not that. It's not that. So then, um, this is the point where I was super. So I was already annoyed at several things, but this is where it just infuriated me to the very end. Mr. Grape is all sad, starts walking away, and Maggie invites Mr. Grape to skate with the kids and Mr. Whiskers. And here is that moment where we get to understand why Mr. Grape, quote unquote, is so awful. He says, and I quote, the reason he, he, he was also never, he was never invited to skate on the bog as a kid by the other kids. And that's the reason I don't like kids. So you're telling me, you 60 to 70 year old man, that you've been mean to children your whole life because the other kids didn't invite you to come skating. And you're going to use that as a reason to commit several felonies and almost attempted murder. <laughs> this does not justify your behavior. All right? Because you're, you're, he's, he's at least 60. I think he's, he and Mr. Whiskers and Granny are all probably about the same age, right? They probably went to high school together. I think Mr. Whiskers um, is younger, but yeah. Okay. I would say Mr. Grape and... Granny are probably close to the same age. Right, they probably went to prom, but not as each other's dates. He sat yeah, on the bench well. and she was out shaking her tail for everybody to, to party. I feel like Granny was popular. I'm sure she was. She's a very voluptuous gal. Um, yes. I was so annoyed by this. Like, you can't justify horrible behavior based on a past trauma that happened like 65 years ago. You tried to kill this man, that lady, and a child. Just to stop kids from skating on your pond. Agreed. It's extreme. But I think the important takeaway is that bullying really can have some pretty significant effects on people. And and it is very important to accept people as they are and invite everyone to skate with you. Because if not, they could someday... 50 tried years down the road, you? tried to murder you and your grandkid. <laughs> That's really well put. I wish I had that more you know special music to play behind you right then. 
So, I mean, Christmas is just around the corner. It is. It is. Um, See what I did. And there. that's how the show ends with Barry Manilow bringing back Christmas is just around the corner a second time. You can just bet that it'll be old Cyrus Grape himself that will be the very first to remind everyone that Christmas is just around the corner. Because mm. Mr. Grape gets to skate. And it was a very, this is a very short Christmas special. So it's only 20, 24 and a half minutes long. Like it's very quick. It didn't seem like it. <laughs> I was watching it. <laughs> you but. know, Mr. Grape, for as much as I didn't like him, um, he, I really enjoyed how dramatic and like over exaggerated his responses to things were. <laughs> and I actually wrote down some of them. Like when they when they're on the pond bog, I mean the first time, and they're like, "Go find the papers." He was like, "Goodbye, indeed." <laughs> so he says that he says Boulder Dash twice. He likes that word. He does. Um, I think one of my favorite things he says because he's referring to. Uh, if that's not my pond, it's not in my papers. If it's in Mister Whiskers' papers. I'd never know a moment's peace on a winter day. Why that would be disaster. <laughs> and then uh, he also goes, it's, it's unthinkable. And it's all during the same scene. I just really enjoyed just how dramatic he was. I, I see. I feel like you kind of have a crush, maybe. No. No, no crush on, on Mr. Grape? Not on Mr. Grape. No way. <laughs> Well, speaking of crushes, um, did you notice any gay or hidden gay character elements? And the reason we bring this up on the show is those of us in the LGBTQIA plus community know that a lot of times um, writers, producers, directors, and actors would slip in little mannerisms and things to let us know that characters were supposed to be part of that uh, part of our community. So I always like to ask, did you notice anything? Because I know I did. So, so okay. So I think there's one obvious person. Who? Do you want to say the name or do you want me to say I the name? I will let you say it because I know I'm going to agree with you. Mr. Whiskers. Totally hands down. He's a bear. He's a bear. He is a, he's Easy. a papa bear. Hands down. Yep. All those little bear cubs yep. just love him. Yep, he is a Papa Bear. I, yes. In fact, I'm pretty sure, let me look at my note. Yes, it literally says Papa Bear. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. So this this other observation I made, which I'm curious if you, one, notice this, uh, and two, what you think. So opening scene, all the kids are skating on the bog. First, you see a, two adults. Um, and I saw them and I thought, oh, look, how sweet, an interracial couple. Because one person had darker skin and one person had lighter skin. Okay. You know, you watch the kids skate around and then it pans back to the couple and there are three people standing there. The same two plus a third. So, I think they're a throuple. Hmm. That's a potential. I didn't notice that. Mm -hmm. I think because Mm -hmm. I was so distracted by the animation already that I wasn't even paying attention to it. That's interesting. Well, I'm saying they're a throuple. Okay. Did you feel like sometimes Mr. Whiskers and Mr. Grape, there was a little tension 
of the sexual nature. Yeah, maybe Mr. Grape got picked on uh, because people thought he was gay when he was younger, and that is what like has fueled his his distaste. And I mean, actually, a, he's yeah. in love with Mr. Whiskers. I feel like he was some peeking kind of, through his window. Right, like you don't. That's just. I feel like there was a little bit of hey. He went up to his bedroom and saw it around the bed. I just feel like there may have been something more there. I don't know. They were. I think Mr. Whiskers can do better. Oh well, so do I. It's Mr. Whiskers. My gosh, his name is amazing. (laughs) Maybe Mr. Mr. Whiskers and the sheriff can head it off. (laughs) The sheriff annoyed me. Um, The other gay element to this. (laughs) He was there for like thirty seconds. I know he still annoyed me. They gave him a real thick Boston accent. Yeah, um, yeah. Barry <laughs> Manilow. Barry Manilow. Um, God, I love Barry. Um, I just do. It's so good. So let me ask you this. On a scale of one to five, with five being the best, how many rainbow candy canes would you give this special? I would give it three and a half. Ooh. And not four because it didn't feature a dog. <laughs> Half a candy cane got taken away. Yes, because every good Christmas, like sh- film, needs to. The main character at least needs to have a dog, mm, or you get I a puppy agree. for Christmas. Like it's it's part of it. So three and a half. Um. Okay. I slightly disagree because I did not like this one. I um I gave it two. And the only reason it got two was because Barry Manilow sang two songs in it. He sang, <laughs> Christmas is just around the corner. And I, I called it Mr. Great because I couldn't quite figure out what the name of that song would be. And I couldn't see it in the credits. But uh, he sang a song about how despicable Mr. Grape is. And um, to me, having Barry is what sold it. Because if you didn't have Barry, um, I don't think I would ever watch this again. I would play the song in the background for sure. Like, I'd love to get a copy of the song, Christmas is Just Around the Corner. Um, but I would not watch this again. Would you watch this? I, I don't know why I'm asking, because you watched it twice. I, would you watch well, it again <laughs> later on this Christmas season? No, no. I watched it twice this morning, and that's enough. That's 45 minutes of my life I'll never get back. True. So let me ask this. As a child, would little Kristen have sat through this, or would you have been like little Jason and gotten up and done something else? I would have sat through it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, little yeah. Jason would not have. He would have gotten up I, after Barry Manilow was done singing, because I knew Barry back in the day. Uh, I would have got up and played with my He-Man toys. I don't think I would have. I would have kept it on, but it wouldn't have. It did. It you wouldn't would not have watched it. Attention. No. I'm. I am curious. You aren't even interested in giving it half another candy cane, no. just because Mr. Whiskers exists. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. I know. I know. I'm. The, I'm the worst at it. I don't feel like. So I like Mr. Whiskers' potential representation, sure. But that is not enough to make me say people should watch this show. Like, if, Oh, yeah, if I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. And so that's what I look at. Like, when I think about a classic Christmas special, it has to be something that I would watch year after year. So, like, uh, the He-Man and She-Were Christmas special, to me, is something that I will watch year after year. Um, Alvin and the Chipmunks Christmas special year after year. The Smurfs, year after year. Something I could go back to, have a little nostalgia, take myself back to being a kid. This did not get there for me, and 
I, like I said, the only reason I would ever go back to listen to this again um, is to just listen to the song Christmas is Just Around the Corner. I think it's a great song. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would, I, I wish that it was played more. I wish that that song would have catapulted something a little bit for Barry and that he could have had that. And maybe it is on an album. I don't know. But um, that was going to be my question. Like, is that one of Barry's songs that are part of his holiday albums or is it just I don't, I don't, something I don't that know. exists for this little show? I mean, I have never heard it until this. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I, I will go out and research it. Um, but thank you, Barry, because if it wasn't for you, this would have gotten either a candy cane or a half a candy cane or maybe just a nub of a candy cane. <laughs> that leftover piece that's so small that you don't finish right. it. Right. Um, the you awkward, like... Yeah. That hook, random. Yeah. Weird, yes. So... Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't now, have... And I wouldn't have given it so many candy canes without Barry also. Okay. So we're, we're right on the same page. So let me yeah. ask you the final question, yeah. which is... Do you consider this a classic Christmas special or a not-so-classic Christmas special? Not-so-classic. I agree. It is not-so-classic. <laughs> nope. Kristen, nope. thank you so much for coming on to this part of the yeah, show. Yeah, fun. I can't wait to uh, to learn what Mrs. Claus is cooking in her kitchen and um, see what Naughty Ned has to say and uh, Christmas Carol, what she's up to. The cast, the cast appreciates that. They're all egomaniacs. Yeah. Um, well, Kristen, um, it's yes. never too early, so Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Jason. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time, okay? Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Should I sing us out? Feliz Navidad. Oh, no, we don't have the royalties for that. Oh, wait. Hold on. That was how many seconds? We're probably fine. Just when you think the show can't get any worse, it's now time for Naughty Ned's White Elephant gift suggestions. I'm sorry if anyone gets offended. Hi, I'm Naughty Ned, Santa's number 245,675 favorite elf. I'm back! It's September. It means it's time to fill the dead gifts in your closet. And I'm here to help you with that. Now, this episode is dedicated to your feline-loving friends. Today's first gift was suggested by my friend Megan. And Megan loves cats and coloring. She loves coloring cats even more! She recommends the Cat Butts in Space, the Feliner Frontier coloring book from Amazon. You get to color planets.
I love ending each episode hearing a Christmas memory or tradition. I invited my friend Kristen back to tell us one of hers. If you'd like to share a Christmas memory or tradition with us, don't forget to email us at keepingtheyuletidegay at gmail.com or leaving us a 60-second voicemail at anchor.fm slash keepingtheyuletidegay. My favorite Christmas like memory and tradition that we did in my family was uh, every Christmas Eve, our grandparents um, had a big Christmas Eve party. It was it was huge. It was even Santa came. Santa came and all the kids sat on Santa's lap. Santa came in a, a, a police officer car. It was one of Grandpa's friends. Um, and it was, I, one thing I loved about it is that everybody could make time and find time to come to the Christmas Eve party at Grandma and Grandpa's. There was tons of food. Um, and I want to have a party at my house on Christmas Eve and be that, that tradition, like in my own home, because it doesn't interfere with your Christmas morning when families are getting up and watching kids open presents or sleeping in and then doing all the running for family stuff. Like, most everybody is going to be able to be like, oh, yeah, I could go by Kristen's house on Christmas Eve for a couple of hours. How great. It kind of brings everybody together that isn't just family before they, they run off into the chaos of Christmas morning. That wraps up our third episode. Links for Ned's items are in the show notes. Please like, subscribe, and follow us to stay up to date on all new episodes of the show. And I hope you come back for our October episode as we have some spooky Christmas fun. So join us again as we put the mess in Christmas. Bye. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Yuletide Gay with Kason, the first Noel, Oh Christmas Tree, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, The Twelve Days of Christmas, and Silent Night the Disco Edition are provided by freexmasmp3.com.